it looks like we're about to have a new beginning. For those of you that don't know this, we own the old Gander Mountain property and uh, pretty excited about it. We are this close from actually starting the remodeling of it. Uh, there are four engineers that are working busy little bees in the busy economy, and they're just they're holding us up a little bit, but they're going to be done soon. They're all almost done. Then the architect will touch up the plans and onto the city for a permit, and off we go. And I have timed this new series, New Beginnings, to hopefully coincide when the series is over will be that Sunday when we're, that week where we actually are starting remodeling. So pretty excited. It'll probably take us nine, maybe 12 months, but probably closer to nine once we get there. Uh, this new series, we're starting New Beginnings. The byline is making a greater impact on the world for Jesus. How many know that's the focus of the Christian life? How many know that's the only thing that lasts? Today, as I will talk about the words significance and legacy, both are found. By significance, I mean doing a living a life that's truly important. By legacy, I mean leaving something behind me that's impacting generations for Christ. Uh, I want to ask you if you'll give me about 10, 15 minutes, and let me just share from my heart a little bit about new beginnings and what it means. Uh, again, new beginnings is more than a sermon series. It's about a fresh start. A fresh start for our church, but a fresh start for your individual life as well. I believe this is somewhat of a prophetic season. When I talk about a new beginning in your life, how many know you may be at a season of your life to where you've just gotten in a routine or a rut, and you feel like God has something more for you? How many can say, I've been there? Yeah, many times. Well, you get a new spiritual beginning. Maybe your marriage needs a, a new beginning rather than getting rid of your spouse. Maybe you just need to find a way to work it out and get closer. It could be your job or priorities, whatever it is. But this series is going to help you in your life as you go towards significance and live a life of legacy. But secondly, uh, you're, if you're a, a part of this church, if you call your church, uh, this is your church home, we're in a process of a new beginning. We're in a process of a transition that's probably going to take a year to get us in a new place. And what I'm hoping is that you will pray and ask the Lord what your part is in that. Now, how many know our parts as, as members of the church has to be more than just moving from one parking lot on Sunday to another parking lot on Sunday? How many know it has to be a, a season of giving, a season of serving, uh, a, a season of whether it's investing money or time or a little sweat equity. I'm told they're having uh, two last work days to, this Tuesday night and Thursday night where they've got some more duck work to take down and, and get rid of some of the steel that we tore down before. You might want to show up. These are all things that we're doing. Uh, when I'm asked why we're relocating, it's quite simple. We need more room. Now here's a little uh, phrase, I think a formula I believe the Lord gave me. More room equals more people, and more people equals more ministry, and more ministry equals a greater impact for Christ in our community, our nation, and our world, and that's our focus. We are very much a church that believes in two things. If you come here on a regular basis, my prayer is that we are doing something to make your life better as a Christian, whether it's prayer when you're in a time of need, teaching your children, uh, your grandchildren, helping you through learning the Word of God, providing an atmosphere where you can touch heaven and worship. These are all things that we want to do for you on a weekly basis. But what we also want to do is we want to reach the people outside of the four walls of this church. 
Jesus didn't just tell us to make a country club for Christians. He told us to go into all the world and bring the good news. One example, I want to show you this real quickly. We've got a team now of 26, our largest team ever. They're in South Africa. And this week they've done a couple things. They had a number of things. They'll be back next week and we'll talk to you in greater detail. But one thing in particular, a handful of guys that went did. We, were at, we asked what kind of need, uh, if the guys want to do some physical work, what do you need? And they said their ministry that we serve with there is called Impact Africa. And what they do by and large is they target uh, young children in squatters camps. And they provide food and, an, and a Christian education for these young kids. Well, they had one preschool, think of this now, 165 preschoolers, but they didn't have a bathroom. You'll see in the picture they erected kind of a tent where they teach them to keep the sun out. But to go to the bathroom, they either just had to go, you know, out in the, out in the woods or they had to find somebody nearby that had a bathroom. Now, can you imagine 165 preschoolers trying to find a bathroom like that? So this is a little video of what we were able to provide to, to help those children. That pressure pump doesn't work. And then somebody tried to steal the JoJo tank off the top of that tank. So they So, Lord, your giving made that possible for a lot of those South African kids. I got a text from my wife this week. Let me further explain. She said, we worked in the squatters camp all day and met a young girl running down the path screaming and waving her hands. Bethany, my daughter, and I waved, uh, waved her, not sure what was going on. Uh, her brother helped bring us to her and let us pray for her. She'd swallowed some concentrated disinfectant. And due to that, she had seizures, was choking and coughing, probably 18 we are able to get her to the clinic, get an IV to flush out the poison. I think we saved her life and were able to love on her and show her the love of Jesus. Now she's at the hospital and stable. But it keeps going. Next day they invited her. And this is her, by the way, the next day on the center screen. This is the young woman that drank the poison. She ran up to us and said, Jesus, heal me. She's hugging us, jumping, and so excited. And one of the things that the women did when they were there is held women's conferences. She said she came to the women's conference today. About 150 women answered the altar call for salvation. 150 women had around 250 women, almost 300 kids packed out. It was great. Now, that's what church is supposed to be about, taking the gospel around the world. You saw Peter going to, uh, going to uh, uh, Mexico, uh, a humanitarian mission. Uh, we've got a team going to India uh, in early September. Well, these are some of the things we do outside the walls of the church. Uh, next year, as we remodel our, our new building, many of you will join with me. It's, just, it's continuing to happen now. Every week, people are giving something towards our Gander Mountain, and I am deeply appreciative of that. But as we get closer, you know, you just want to help. Um, the more money we give, the less we end up having to borrow, and having, no, that's a good thing. But there's kind of two ways to raise money for this. One is we could every week stand up and say, here's the plumber's bill. It's $25,000. Who wants to help? You know, we did something kind of like that when we bought land. We bought land for extra parking. We'll have 500 parking places. Well, we raised $65,000 for that. And that was a good thing. We kind of did it each week, and it was a goal. 
the problem with that, as I see it, is it's kind of a, uh, it's just more spontaneous, and it can be a little pressure, and it's nothing really prayerful about it. Here's what we're going to endeavor to do. We're choosing a spiritual focus. It's based on prayer, hearing God, and making a thoughtful commitment. And part of this New Beginnings series that I'm doing today, it, we're having, it's an eight-week process. And this little book, I want to make sure you get it after church. Pick it up in the lobby. It talks all about what we're doing. But it's intended to be a spiritual process. I'm endeavoring not to make this about money, but I'm endeavoring to make it about our hearts and finding the will of God. I'll simply say I'm asking you to do one thing. I want you to pray and ask the Lord, does he want you to be a part of it? And if so, what, is, what does he want you to do? And then do it with me. But one thing that we're going to do is we have, we're going to have a week of devotions. We're literally, hopefully you'll sit down with your children. Because listen, I look around this church and I see grown people now that used to be kids in kids zone. I've been here 30 years. It's their church as well. I want you to make your kids part in this devotion time. We're going to have these desserts that Pastor Mike talked about. We're having 10. And I'm hoping we can have 30, 40, 50 people show up at each one of them. I'll share details with you. It'll be, it won't be any pressure at all. You'll just learn a lot more details because I want to preach the Bible here in church, but I want to talk to you about a lot of the things and share a vision. You can sign up for those in the lobby today as well. But about six weeks from today, I'm going to ask you that are willing to make a three-year commitment with Linnell and I to invest in our new building. And then about eight weeks, so two months, we're going to have what we'll call a first fruits cash offering which means that whatever commitment I've made I'm, that I feel like the Lord wants me to make, I'm going to, as much cash as I can come up with at that point, see, I'm going to start saving now for it, that I'll be able to get, invest that, and hopefully we'll kick off the building that week. But as we do this, uh, uh, the reason we're doing this process is, is simple. I want you to take time and hear God and do what He says. Now, here's a promise I want to make to you, and I want to read a scripture for this for background. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and the context here is in Jerusalem there was a famine many, many years ago, and history bears out that it happened. The Jews that were the spiritual legacy of the rest of the world were in trouble. So Gentile Christians around the Mediterranean world were giving money to be able to help their Christian brothers and sisters. And here's what Paul said to, to the people in Corinth. He said, I, I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. In other words, there was thoughtful, there was thought, it was a thoughtful gift. It wasn't just a pressure and a, and a need at the moment. But I want you to see what it says. I want it to be a, a willing gift, not one giving grudgingly, which simply means this. If you don't want to give, please don't. I'm not going to make you feel bad. I want this to be from our hearts. Uh, verse 7 says, you must decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Because God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Now here's my promise to you. I'm not going to pressure you in this. What I'm going to do and encourage you to do this week is to make a spiritual, or this month or so, is to make a spiritual decision. To seek the Lord and pray to the Lord and talk to the Lord and ask Him if He wants you to be a part of it. Here's something I tell to our new members in our Connect class. That's kind of our orientation. I tell them this, I don't want your money. And they look at me like you're looking at me. Here's what I mean by that. We're here for you. You're not coming for us. We're here to make your life better. 
we're not going to use you. We're not going to take advantage of you because I've been taken advantage of in church. Anybody? I've been pressured at times and I felt like all they want is my money or whatever the case is. It's not a church like that. But what we want to do is we want to give you an opportunity to be a part of something that I believe is really big. It's going to be impactful in the kingdom of God. And all I said we've simply done, and we're going to do in these next couple months, is endeavor to have a spiritual approach to a need that could affect people for all eternity. Come on, give the Lord a good hand. I, I think this is a, a good way to approach this. Now, in today's message, uh, it's not about a building, but it's about our lives. I want to help you find a life of lasting significance. The word significance is that my life has been lived for something truly important. And number two, I want you to uh, challenge you to leave a spiritual legacy with your life. What that means is, for the people that come after me, I've left something in their hands that's going to help them be uh, b better in their relationship with Christ. Now, I'm going to teach this in two ways. If you've got your Bible, go to Mark chapter 10, and we're going to contrast two lives. We're going to see one, a believer, someone that believed in God, that lived a religious life, but yet was, uh, uh, was not willing to follow Jesus when the Lord asked him to do something that was hard. There's many people like that in the world today. They, they, they love the Lord, they like the church experience, but when Jesus calls them to something significant, when it's a command in the Bible that crosses the way they're living, they walk away. The second Christian that I'll look at today is a believer in God, but is different. It's Simon Peter. And Peter's a man that found significance in a legacy that lasts even to today because he was willing to do whatever Jesus asked him to do. So let's begin Mark chapter 10, and let's look first at the person, I'm just going to call him Missed Opportunity. This is the guy that believed in God, wanted to go to heaven, but when Jesus asked him to do something costly, he, he said no. Uh, Mark chapter 10, a man came running up to Jesus, and uh, he said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit? Now, could we pause just a second? How many know there's nothing more important than that? If you're young, let's say if you're 30, You've got your career going, everything's going like that, you're healthy, you can still play softball or soccer, you can run, you can do whatever you want to do. If you've got your health and credit card and debit card, I mean, you know, life is, life is, is happening for you. But the older you get and you begin to face limitations in life, you have problems in life due to age, you realize that life on this earth is not permanent. Life on this earth is short-lived. If you're a parent today, and it seems like yesterday, yesterday I, I came to this church almost 30 years ago. Uh, my son John was about two and a half. Well, today John is 30, and he has an 18-month-old. And I look and I say, where did time go? And if all you do is live for the temporary, you'll waste the eternal, but one day it's coming. What must I do to have eternal life? And interestingly, Jesus said, you know the commandments. Now, he quoted uh, six of the ten commandments that Moses gave. And I want you to really look at these, and, and let's try to figure out why these six. What do they have in common? Number one, don't murder. Number two, don't commit adultery. Number three, don't steal. Number four, don't testify falsely. Number five, don't cheat anyone. Number six, honor your father and mother. Now, what's the consistent thing about all six of those? It's that they all relate to how we treat other people. There is a nice way to treat people, if I can use the word. There's a, there are commandments how we relate to people. None of them had to do with his relationship with God. 
And you know the first of the ten great commandments that Moses gave, the first one was this, don't have any other gods before me. No idols before me. In other words, don't let anything else occupy the place of God in your life. God who deserves first and best. Now, Jesus, uh, this man said something incredible. He said, uh, uh, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. So clearly this was a good man. Verse 21, Jesus looked at him and felt genuine love for him. And Jesus said this, there's still one thing you haven't done. And then Jesus said, go and sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and you'll have... And then come and do what? Follow me, and the implication is, I'm going to give you eternal life. Next, next we read one of the saddest words, verses in the Bible, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. And I've often thought... What would somebody trade for their eternal soul? What possession could be so valuable that when Jesus asked for it, he walked away? The only thing I can think of is he got a new turkey gun. You know, the kind that the kind of shotgun that has the little handle here and it, it's got a scope on Now, that's my hobby and I'm kind of being facetious. But one thing kept him out of eternal life. Jesus was looking for followers and offered him the opportunity of a lifetime. But something stood in the way. Here's the problem. He loves something more than God. Now let's broaden it just a little bit because this is not just about possessions. It's about the heart. Uh, let's say, for example, uh, there's a, uh, Peter comes back from his, from his uh, water well trip and he gives a report. It touches your heart deeply and uh, you just feel like the Holy Spirit tells you you're supposed to go. How, how many have heard the Lord tell you to do something in life? Yeah, sure. We, we often hear, the Lord tells him to do something in his life. And you say, yeah, you go to Peter, say, man, I want to go. When is it? And he says, it's going to be in early spring. I'll get you the details. And, you know, long about December, Peter sends out a text, says, we're going April 1st. Now, mind you, the Lord told you you wanted to go, and you said yes. But the only problem is you check the website for Texas, and turkey season opens that week. Now look, I'm, turkey hunting is not bad, or turkey guns are not bad, or I've got a real problem here. But you see where I'm going. How about this? Let me give you another example. Maybe the Lord has not been nudging you for a while to lead some ministry, to get involved and start doing something with your life. Don't just coming on the weekend, which is wonderful and receiving, but start serving in some way. I mean, we've got, uh, we've got a zillion kind of groups. We've got groups that feed at the homeless shelter. We've got groups that will teach a Bible study in their home. We have, we've had groups that uh, a guy uh, loves to play golf, so he started a monthly golf scramble. They had a devotion beforehand and went out and had fun and fellowship. All sorts of But anyway, let's just say the Lord has spoken to you about doing something in this little leadership application, and uh, uh, you, you, you're feeling drawn to it. And this is the example that I'm going to use is maybe you feel that uh, you're supposed to be involved in going to the juvenile detention center and, uh, and helping those young kids. You know, you came out of a background of, you know, of drugs, of crime, or whatever the case is, and uh, uh, you're free, and, and God's told you to help them, and you really feel the compulsion to do it. So you talk to the guy at the uh, juvenile detention center, and he says, great, we want to have you. You can do whatever you want to do. Give your Bibles away, but, but the only time we can do it is Saturday afternoon. And the only problem on Saturday afternoons in the fall, you like to wear a plastic hat that is shaped in the, in, in, in the image of a hog. 
And you like to go to football games and call the hogs. How many understand what I'm talking about? Now look, nothing wrong with football. I mean, I mean, it's an enjoyment. It's a pleasurable thing in life. But sometimes God will ask us to do something that captures our heart, and we have to make a decision between what the Lord's calling me to do and, 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 and something in my heart. Well, listen, I have this happen frequently in my life, and it doesn't go away the older you get. The closer you walk with God, actually, the more you hear the Lord and the more accountable you become. But this is what happened to this young man. Let me give you an observation. Uh, he traded the eternal for the temporary. Now, let's go back to the young man. Whatever his possession was, I have no clue. But this man named Mr. O missed Opportunity. Uh, something was more important than God. 2 Corinthians 4.17, Paul writes these words. He says, our light in momentary troubles. How many know Christians don't live a trouble-free life? And usually when you serve the Lord, you're going to have more challenges in your life. He says, our light in momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. There's the word that far outweighs them all. In other words, sometimes you'll have difficulty doing something God wants you to do, but the Scripture teaches that there is an eternal reward that comes. Now notice verse 18. We fix our eyes. Now he's talking about the deliberateness of our life. He's talking about our priorities. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. He's comparing temporary things to the eternal things of God. Since what we see is temporary, whether it's the turkey gun or the hog hat or whatever it is, it's temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And this is a pause I want to ask for you today because unconsciously in America, you know, there's a question we ask people, no matter what they've done, we ask this question, did you have fun? If you went to the ball game, did you have fun? Uh, they're on, on the missions trip. Now, they had some great experiences, but they also did, went on a safari. They played with some lion cubs. I mean, they had a great time. They served the Lord, and they had fun. But, but we asked people, did you have fun? When those kids come out of Kid Zone, I say, did you have fun today? And they say, yes. And I says, well, in this church, we have fun and learn about God at the same time. But it's almost this because of the prosperity of the nation. It's almost like everything is about me, and it's about the fun that I have in life. And most of the fun is temporary. Fun's not bad. But if all I do is pursue the fun, I'll miss the greater thing God has. You know, it's really easy to believe in Jesus, but it's not always easy to do what he says. How many can say, I understand that? It's a difference between knowing Christ as my Savior and knowing Christ as my Lord. The descriptive word of Jesus Christ is the Lord Jesus Christ, which simply means he wants to be number one. How many can say, I want to make him number one? Sure, but how many can say it's hard sometimes? Sure it is. Let me read you what Jesus said, Matthew 16, 24. This concept or scripture is missing from modern consumer Christianity. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must... Now, who wants to do that? Not me. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Which simply means, if the Lord's called me to go on that water well trip, then I need to hang the turkey gun on the wall, and I need to schedule another time to go. Are you with me today? Still go, but just go another time. So, so if you're going to do the juvenile detentions thing, use the DVR and, and, and record the game and get your favorite pizza at Joe's Pizza and watch it that night. Come on, are you, are you with me today? 
you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Now listen to this. If you want to save your life, you'll lose it. But we don't even know Mr. Opportunity's name. You'll lose it. But if you lose your life from me, you'll find it. And he asked an amazing question. What good will it be if you gain the whole world? In other words, if you turkey hunted every opportunity you got with the best gun and the best ammo and everything and wore your hog hat 365 days a year, if that's all you did with your life, you'll forfeit your soul. For the Son of Man, Jesus, now here's the good part, is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels and then He will reward or repay us for what we've done. Listen, that guy had a defining moment and he missed it because the cost was great. Now let's look at the flip side. This is where it gets good. We find eternal significance and lasting legacy by following Jesus. And that's the key word, following Jesus. And that's all I'm asking you to do in the, over these next six weeks. I want you to pray and ask the Lord what to do and to the best of your ability, follow Him. You're not here to please me. I'm, I'm going to love you if you give a lot or if you, give, if you don't give a penny. I, I, I love you whether you pay a tithe in this church or whether you don't. Uh, you, my love for you is not, and my willingness to serve you and help you is not as zero to do with how much money you have in your pocket. I love you because you're who you are. You're, uh, 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 that's, that's what a pastor feels in his heart for people. Look at verse 28. Peter began to speak up. We've given up everything to follow you. Now, this does not mean Peter was a beggar on the side of the road saying, we'll fish for food. Okay, he still had a wife. His wife, you know, in one portion of Scripture, his wife was cooking, preparing a meal. So there was a home that they were living in. He probably had kids. We know he had a fishing pole in the closet somewhere because after after Jesus resurrected, he got a little frustrated and said, I'm going fishing. So don't get the picture that he was a pauper. But this was an attitude of his heart. When Jesus called Peter, Peter was a fisherman, and Peter walked away from the business to follow Christ. Great trust was involved. Verse 29, yes, Jesus replied, and this is the most pivotal scripture of the day, and I want you to hear this. Jesus makes a promise. Jesus said, I assure you, or I promise you. Now listen, he's not just talking to Peter. He's going to talk to us. Because Jesus said, everyone, That's you. That's me. Everyone who has given up, listen to a list, a house, a brother, a sister, a mother or a father, children. Now, that doesn't mean you hate your family, but in my case, I moved away from my family. I joined the Navy to escape my problems. I got saved. I ended up in California. I was called to the ministry, and I had a plan to go back and live in in Mississippi and farm with my dad and have a church on Sunday, and I was going to do it all my way. But the Holy Spirit called me to go back to California to be trained in in ministry, Uh, experience, went to seminary, and then I was fortunate to be able to come back here. But I made a sacrifice, and I miss my family. I talked to my mom last night. But the Lord said, if you give up some of these things for my sake, look at verse 30. Here's the promise. You will receive, what's it say? Now. Now, in return, a hundred times as many. Now, I suggest this is a hyperbola. I'm not suggesting that if you gave a house for some reason, that God's going to give you a hundred houses. Don't don't keep the list like that. I think it's a way of saying God's going to take care of you. He's going to give you a place to stay. God's not going to leave you on the street. 
But then he adds, brother, sister, mother, father, children. This is how this works. Yesterday, my daughter-in-law was at home all day with my grandson. I miss him as much as I can. And she sent videos all day, and I just had this kind of pops kind of feeling. Well, last night, I get here uh, early uh, for service, and I'm here at 4.15 praying. Well, the video guy that runs the video, he got here, and he has two little girls. And I'm in this corner praying, and these two little girls are about this tall. They come running, and I see their heads, and they come running with their arms out like that. And I got down on my knees, and I just got a good hug from those little girls. And one of them even had a hush puppy. It was about this long and half eaten, and she's just putting it in my mouth. You 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 know the feeling there. You know how you kind of eat and don't eat. But, but I have a lot of people that love me. I, ha- I have older women in my life that have treated me like a mother, particularly when I was younger. I have, fr- I have lifelong friends, you know, and I've regretted my biological family, but God has met me in a very different, in a very wonderful way. He also says persecution's coming, but then the wonderful promise in the world to come, you'll have eternal life. And that's what Missed Opportunity didn't choose because he wanted to wear the hog hat or, or have the turkey gun on that day. And again, I'm not knocking the things that we love to do, okay? You know, the Bible talks about enjoyment. The Bible talks about pleasure. God is a good Father. He wants to bless us. But sometimes God's will conflicts with a part of my life, and that's decision time. Let me make an observation or two. When a Christian gives up something, it isn't lost. When a Christian gives up something, it's like a farmer planting seed. My dad and my brother farm together. Uh, they have about uh, three, 4,000 acres they farm. And uh, it's just been a tough year. It's been raining so much. But when they plant corn, they buy a bag, 50-pound bag of corn seed, 400 bucks. It's high, this hybrid seed. And they put it in this hopper, and then they just get rid of it all. They stick it all in the ground. But they come back and look at it. In about five days, six days, seven days, they go out there and they'll dig around in the ground if it's not up yet. But pretty soon, there's green everywhere. You see, they didn't lose that seed when they planted it. They planted it in God's ground and God multiplies it when it grows up and becomes a harvest. And this is what happens to you and I when we follow Jesus in whatever he asked us to do. Uh, see, following Jesus, it may have some obedience. It will have obedience, sometimes sacrifice, but God will reward us for our sacrifice. In anything in this, in this whole thing that we're talking about today, this new beginnings, if you choose to participate and if you choose to invest in our church's future as we, as we relocate, uh, it'll be a sacrifice. I've been thinking about this for a number of weeks now, and I think, well, I'm going I'm to have to wait on that. I, I've got this little rhythm in my life that I, that I go by when I pray outside. I, I look at my, my little shed, my little workshop, and I say, Lord, I sure would like to do an uh, uh, extreme remodel on that thing one day. And then I walk by my, my little play set that I bought for Rebecca, and I say, Lord, I sure like to replace that for uh, for uh, little, little Henry one day. And then I've got my little things. I want pathways and those kind of things. Well, all those are good things, but some of them might have to wait a little bit. Are you with me? But in the waiting, if I'm obeying God, there's a reward that comes from that. Because everything on this life, listen, friends, everything in this life is not going to last, but what we do for Lord will last forever. See, and this is, again, not just about a building. 
I have a friend that, that I respect a great deal. And years ago, uh, this person had a bad experience in church. Anybody ever been there? And basically quit going to church. And uh, still love the Lord, served the Lord all their life, but just became distant from the body of Christ and missed the companionship, the joy, the synergy, the fellowship. Well, now he, this person's new beginning is found in coming back and reconnecting in church. And I'm watching something amazing happen in their life. This is one of the most gifted people I've ever met. But yet somehow Satan got involved too and has kind of suppressed it a little bit. And now God's about to blossom them like a rose because they're willing to do a new beginning with God. See, if the new beginning you're looking for is in your marriage and you have just been hurt to the degree that you can't even think about restoring the relationship, I mean, no, it takes a lot to turn around and say, I do forgive you and I'm willing to take another chance. See, new beginnings are not easy. But they have the potential of producing something powerful. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. He's, he's worthy. See, this, and I'm going to head towards the close here. But following Jesus is where our lives find significance. And when I say significance, I mean something that's truly important. Because I promise you this, when I get to heaven, my turkey gun will mean absolutely nothing. You know, they're kind of my trophies. I got turkey tails in my study and beards hanging and all that kind of stuff. None of that goes to heaven. But the important things are what we do for Christ. The important things are this guys that we laid hands on them. They're going to go to a totally impoverished village. A village like a lot of these folks that are just coming across our border looking for a better life. I mean, no part of a better life is having a fresh drink so your kid doesn't live with diarrhea every day. How many know that matters to God? And then when the pastor shows up in that village and somebody said, who drilled this well for us? It wasn't Mexican government. It was some Christians from America. Why did they do it? What did we have to pay them? Nothing. They just wanted to come down and tell us that Jesus loves them. And people begin making steps to Christ. See, this is what, this is what we do. That's where we find significance in a lasting legacy. I want to ask you a question and I'll head to my close. How many people were here when this building was built? Would you raise your hand? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven people were here out of 400 when this building was built. It was the same way in the last two services. What's my point? Pastor Kennedy, Lawrence Kennedy, and a group of hippies in the Jesus movement in the 70s. People living on the streets just wild as a goose. Jesus just swept through America. And, and, and a group of people got saved. And that little church grew and they built this building. And they had a season of life that was flourished for them. But they didn't build it for them. They built it for us. And you know that everything that this church is doing, that little globe right there, that globe collects dollars and quarters and change, and when it gets up a thousand, we give it away somewhere and buy Bibles. We've got a team that's going to India in September, asked if we could send Bibles so they could give them to the graduate students that are going out to plant churches in unreached Hindu villages. So the same thing, the water, everything that's about us today is part of a legacy that some people gave us that don't even know us today. And you know part of what we're doing in our relocation, it's not for us. It's for those that are going to follow us. And the multiplied thousands and potential millions of people, particularly that happens through missions work.
What happens if God raises up an, a Billy Graham in our church? What happens if God raises up someone that starts a ministry in, in Haiti like Jay Threadgill, left America, went to the nation of Haiti, gave 35 years of his life, and today it is the largest Christian ministry on the island of Haiti and multiplied tens of thousands of people have come to Christ. What if that person comes through our church? Or what if we channel money or resources to them? That's where significance is found, friends. And that's what's truly important. And that's why we're in a new beginning. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. I'm going to close with this. I want you to see a little video, uh, and we'll show these in the days ahead. These are, happen to be of Michael and Lyric Searles. They're our Kid Zone pastors, and they have about, it averages 265, but in the higher months of our attendance, there's about 300 kids on the weekend that are, that are up there. Take a peek at Michael and Lyric as they talk about the future. We want to see a kid zone that is first off just big enough for all of our kids. We've run out of room, but that's a good problem to have. And I don't think there's a more immediate need for expansion than in kid zone. But more importantly than that, we want to see classrooms that are not just beautiful to look at, but that are functional and effective for communicating the gospel. We want every single child that comes to Church on the Rock to be taught in a way that is developmentally appropriate, and the classroom is a huge part of that. We're intentionally designing each classroom to meet the kids where they are at whatever stage of development. From birth through elementary school, we want all of our teachers to have what they need to instill the truth of God's Word with power and effectiveness. And I know that it can get a little traffic jammy up there, so we've strategically designed our check-in areas, our hallways, and our classroom entrances to ensure that picking up and dropping off your kids is as smooth and easy as possible and we are more than doubling the space for our special needs area. We feel the burden to make sure that every kid has a place here at Church on the Rock. So, come and help us make an impact, not just on this generation, but on the future of our country and the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord, that's good, huh? Now, Michael, they have 300 kids. I, I learned about Jesus in a Sunday school in a small Methodist church in Love, Mississippi, I learned John 3.16. Seeds are being planted. Don't you think about this. That's about 300 kids that are here in our building over the weekend. Pastor Mike and his team does something called Sidewalk Sunday School. And what they do is they take a Sunday school environment and they bring it to inner city kids. Right now they go during the school year five to five housing complexes, government housing complexes, and they have about 200 children that show up every week. Uh, and don't you think about this. When a kid's 20 years old and is already mad at everybody and feels like life's already passed him by, has got a gun in his pocket, how many know it's hard to change that guy? But when you reach a second grader, a third grader, a sixth grader, and they come because the boom truck is coming, and they're going to give them something to eat, they're going to love on them, they're going to have some fun, and then they're going to sit them down, they're going to have a Bible lesson. And for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, they're going to learn about Jesus. I cannot think of a greater way to turn around the potential inner city problems, a greater way to bring racial reconciliation to a troubled city and a troubled nation than a ministry like that. So imagine if Michael's 300 turns into 600 in the new building and Mike's 200 turns into 400, that could be 1,000 kids each week that we're making an impact on. That's what New Beginnings is about, friends. It's about the ministry of the church outside the walls of the church. But New Beginnings is not just about a building. It's about your life and mine. 
New Beginnings is about your marriage. New Beginning is about your business. It's about your career. It's about your priorities. And I encourage you, friend, if you will set yourself on a path that I'm going to endeavor to hear God, I'm going to endeavor to do what the Lord says, even if it's hard, I promise you, a better life is coming. And not only in this life, but there's eternal significance and a legacy from a life that's following Jesus. Give him a big hand today. He's worthy of our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet, and we're going we're gonna to close today. Hey, let me mention just a couple things as you prepare. Don't forget your little booklet now. Make sure you go out in that front uh, that lobby because we've got some people that are going to deliver these, and you can save them a big step if you would be certainly willing to do that. If you hadn't signed up for the Vision Dessert, I'm going to encourage you to do that today as well, and then we can talk a lot more details. But here's something I think I neglected to mention in this service. Next week, we're going to talk about prayer. How many know if you want a new beginning in your life, your marriage, your business, how many know you've got to seek God in prayer? Well, next week, we're going to talk about the place of prayer. But guess what we're going to do? After service is over, we're going to dismiss, and I'm going to ask you to take about 10 minutes and go over to our new location. We're going to have it marked off, hopefully roped off, where the different rooms are going to be. But we're going to ask you to take just a few minutes at a different prayer station, and then you're off to lunch. But I want this prayer thing to get deep within us, because how many know that's the way I find God's best life? Let's close today in our prayer. We're going to have one song and, and close in prayer. I want you to bow your head a minute. I'm going to ask you this question. What did the Holy Spirit say to you today? What did He say to you about significance? Are you living a life that has at least a portion of it invested in what's going to matter for eternity? Are you leaving a spiritual legacy by the choices you're making, by participating in some ministry? Is there a new beginning that you're longing for in your heart, in your family, in your home, in your life? Could you just take a minute and say, God, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I don't want to be like missed opportunity. I don't want to have anything in my life that I love more than you. I want to be like Peter that says, Lord, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. I want to ask you to do this. If that's your heart, to say that to the Lord, would you just slip your hands to heaven and say, Lord, it's hard. It is not always easy to do your will. It's not always easy to say yes to God. And I want to ask you to help me. Lord, if my heart is like that missed opportunity guy, I want to ask you to change my heart. I want to ask you, I don't want to have any idols in my life. They may not be bad things, but if I treat them with the respect that an honor that's deserved to God alone, they're an idol. And I want to ask you to forgive me, number one, but number two, adjust it. If you want to take it out of my life, do it. But if you just want to help me readjust it to its proper place, that's what I'm asking. Because Holy Spirit, my prayer for my friends and myself today is that you let us live our life however long it's going to be. We leave a life of significance and a legacy that outlives us. And I pray this in Jesus' name.
Let's close with that song now. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to invite our prayer team to come to the front. Here's something I always find. At the end of the service, there's always someone that needs to touch God. Maybe you're here today and maybe this new beginnings, maybe something in your life that you feel God leading you towards a new beginning. I can't think of a better way to come to the altar and let somebody pray with you about it. But perhaps even more important than that, maybe you're here today and say, Pastor John, my greatest need is I need to have a relationship with God that I don't have. When we sang that song earlier, I come to the garden alone. Maybe you've never felt God like that. Maybe you're not close to God. Maybe if you died today, you don't know if you'd go to heaven or hell. Can I tell you what the Bible calls that new beginning? It's called the new birth. A spiritual rebirth where God literally changes you on the inside. You say, how does it happen? Glad you asked. It's as simple as you just coming to God and humbling yourself and say, Lord, I've done wrong and I've gone live for myself all my life. I want to ask you to forgive me and I want to start following you. Jesus, I want you to come in my life and be my Lord and Savior. It's not the word you say, but it's the attitude of your heart. It's the willingness to turn around from the way you've gone and begin to follow Jesus Christ. And if you feel like I'm talking to you right now, and that's what you need, a fresh start, a new beginning with God, let us pray for you. When they start playing this last song, I'm going to encourage you. Two things are going to happen. Number one, our prayer team is going to come to the front. But number two, if you want to make your, get things right with God, I want you to slip over to the cross. Two reasons. Number one, we want to pray with you. We want to help you. We want to give you something that's going to help your journey with Christ. But number two, there is power in the symbolism of walking away. Because if you have the courage to walk away from what's holding you back in your yesterdays in a place where people would clap their hands if we let them, you'll have a greater chance of living in the world tomorrow when it's not so easy. Walking away from the, the past and walking towards Jesus. It'll change your life. Go ahead and begin to place of Pastor Zach. Our prayer team is coming to the front right now. If you need prayer for anything, you come. But most importantly, if you need to get right with God, you see you at the cross. I love you and thanks for coming.